0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Boldo Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostard from Ford Pepsi Max Route and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
1: It Look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> be, been here before.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing.
1: Sometimes they're not. Dickheads, you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars
3: hello and welcome to inside supercars it's the final week of our series of interviews shows and we have some heavy hitters to talk about the commercial state of play in v8 supercars two team principals a general manager and a corporate manager Ryan Storey from DJR Team Penske, Tim Edwards from Pro Drive Racing Australia, Nick Ryan from Nissan Motorsport, and Chris Wilson also from DJR Team Penske. I'm sure you'll enjoy these chats, which are coming up
1: straight after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page.
4: Hi, I'm Fabian Colthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
1: Each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know. Through the years, a lot of reference. this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no
2: easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do but, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and family.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi,
4: I'm Fabian Colthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well,
3: Ryan's story, rebuilding a team is an interesting problem we hear in sports from time to time, but v uh, supercars. What have been the steps you've had to go through so far to change and to integrate the Penske ideals into Dick Johnson racing?
2: Well, I think it's important to remember that over the last couple of years we've been very stretched for resources, so we haven't necessarily been able to keep up uh, with some of the infrastructure and certainly some of the uh, some of the, the the elements that you'd ideally like to have in the team to, to be in that that upper echelon. So. We've taken steps this year to invest in infrastructure and in our facilities, and whilst that will take some time to pay dividends, uh, the focus really has been trying to to get up to speed and get to understand the FGX Falcon. It hasn't been easy. Uh, We've basically uh, gone through our teething issues in a very public arena, copped a fair bit of criticism along the way, most of it deserved, might I add, and uh, it's just a a relief, in a sense, to get a top ten today. It's certainly not the end of the road for us. Uh, it's going to continue to be a bit of a struggle as we continue on through the year, but it's certainly a good start for us. A five-week break now until you go to Hidden Valley. How many more pieces
3: can you put in and change in the puzzle before then?
2: Well, I think where we're going to find our biggest return is in having our engineers work harder, to, uh, harder together to effectively yield a result in that, in that arena. And uh, we saw that this weekend, What we've found, particularly through our partnership with ProDrive, is that where we may have all of their bits, bolting one of their setups onto the car doesn't exactly result in us being as competitive as what those cars are. It's led us back to the drawing board and and for our engineering group to find solutions, and they've worked well this weekend to get us back back into the mid-pack and I think we just need to continue to build from there, so we'll use the time effectively to continue down that that track. Viet Supercars, for
3: all its great strengths, it's still a qualifying-based formula, and I guess a a small mistake in 10 minutes twice on Saturday and 20 minutes on a Sunday
2: can completely write off a lot of the work you're trying to do. No question. I mean, you're going to hear hard luck stories up and down pit lane and, and people talking about eclectic laps and what have you, and I think we were more competitive today than what we were yesterday. I think we had genuine uh, bottom of the top ten pace yesterday we just weren't able to put the laps together you're absolutely right you make mistakes and you're going to pay you can't afford to make mistakes at this level and i think we'll see if, if if we can continue the the intensity that we had this weekend and have weekends where we don't make mistakes we're hoping hopeful we can build upon the form that we've been able to show this weekend i guess it's the
3: nature of sport that you are in a public arena as any sporting team rises and falls in front of everyone. How do you change the narrative about the
2: team? Can it only be done through performance? I think so. I think the expectations of, for people going in were quite high. We've always tried to, to, to minimise those expectations to a degree. We've always took this as a building year. Obviously, we made some changes in the off-season to go from a two-car outfit to a one-car outfit. That, to, for, From our point of view, that really set the tone for how this year was going to be set out for us. Uh, but, but I think that we need to, uh, we're going to need to have some form on the racetrack to, to uh, I guess, uh, keep some of the doubters in check. But uh, you're absolutely right to say that performance is, is where we're going to have to uh, uh, show our... Uh, sh- sh- effectively, yeah, without performance, there's, there's nothing you can do to, 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 to keep the naysayers in check. When does the
3: business plan get written or when does the business plan get stamped? For a 2017 season, and is 2017, from what you've learnt this year, mean, mean you're going to have to get that licence back and run two cars in-house? 16,
2: 16 you mean? Sorry, 16. Yeah, so I, I, that's, a, again, it's a little way away yet, but it's certainly at the forefront of our mind as we continue going through, finding the, the right way to make that all work, and uh, there's still a bit of water to go under the bridge yet.
3: Because mm. you've got the business-to-business model for your car now, can you run a business-to-business model and, a, say, a FMGC model side-by-side in the one garage and in the one infrastructure? Well,
2: there's no doubt that we can. I think that seeing different liveries on our car uh, each weekend is, is I, I believe, it more of an indicator of the sponsorship market as a whole. This was a way for us to maximise our ability to, to get uh, a strong commercial base and footing for the team. And I suspect that other teams up and down pit lane will find that, that, that to be a successful model for them as time passes on. The strength of our business-to-business business is on the backbone of the Penske business operations within Australia. That's where we can offer a genuine return of investment for our other non-Penske partners. But uh, it's certainly not a limitation of us uh, pursuing a more traditional commercial uh, scenario for, for a second car. But again, that all remains to be seen.
3: Ryan, all the best for the five-week break and we look forward to seeing Dick Johnson and Team Penske back on the grid in
1: the valley. Thanks very much, appreciate it. Tim Edwards is up next on Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year
4: in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the yeah, Cars in Australia is where I see myself.
5: Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time, that we ended up with a win there at Speedway City
1: uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside
3: Supercars. Tim Edwards is up next, but before we go into the interview, I should say that this was recorded at Winton on Sunday morning, and we do talk about soft tyres coming into the Super Sprint rounds, which, of course, has been announced during the break since the Winton round. Tim was playing his cards close to the chess, Inside Supercars had learned that V8 Supercars had already placed the order for the required soft tyres to see out the end of the season in the Super Sprint events. Tim Ebbles, it's been an interesting time in V8 Supercars lately with the Commission making a number of decisions over the last few weeks on tyres, particularly around practice. Was the problem the quality of data you were able to get or was it the fact that you were just not going to have enough tyres at the end of the year to be able to do any testing?
5: Oh, I think everybody was um, acknowledged the fact that you know, we, we did sacrifice um, a couple of test days this year to actually have more practice on Fridays at a race meeting but then we probably left ourselves a little bit short to actually make that those two one-hour sessions, uh, meaningful um, without good tyres. So, I mean, the increase to two one-hour sessions has definitely been a big improvement for the teams. You even see now, halfway through the session, your drivers will hop out of the car and they can actually look through data and and, and you know. So it's a, a far better practice session for us. But we just needed some better tyres to be able to evaluate um, uh, as much for ourselves as for you know. I know there's all the stories about you know. You know, the media don't know where everyone sits on Saturday night, um, but you know I think you know to make the testing meaning for ourselves for ourselves, we needed some better tires so you know we can always we've always got a pretty good idea where we're at you know because the changes you make into the car um, you know it's just a cause and effect you know it doesn't matter whether you're on a hundred lap old tire or not you know you're still going to know whether it improves the car or not. But anyway, I think, you know, the, the unanimous opinion of the commission was that, yeah, we could do with a few more sets just for practising on, just to improve those sessions. That said, one of your cars handed back some brand-new practice tyres. Well, that was only because he was bringing um, a new set of tyres as his P2 tyres for this round anyway. Because, I mean, we've planned out the next six months um, what we're using for practice, and he actually had a, a new set allocated for this race anyway, so he didn't need two new sets of tires mm. One
3: of the interesting things you raised was the media had sort of pushed this, oh, you need something as a form guide. Would it not be the best form guide you could give, move one of the 40,000 qualifying sessions from Saturday to Friday? And that would be a real form
5: guide and that would be a real story to write. The 40,000 qualifying sessions? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think one of the things that is good about our category is that we do have qualifying for each race. You know, I've never supported the idea of Um, of what we used to have where you had one qualifying session and then you started the next race where you finished and and so on and so on because if you have a bad first race your weekend's over you might as well put the car in the truck so I actually think we've got the right number of qualifying sessions because we have exactly the same number of qualifying sessions as we do races Um, but I think look I mean drivers will always bitch and moan that they haven't got you know enough tyres you know yeah in a perfect world we'd love to have every single time we drive out of the garage a new set of tyres to put on the car and the drivers would love that and so I think the media just reacted to you know the drivers saying I haven't got enough tyres haven't got enough tyres um, and that sort of blew the whole thing up we would have survived if, if this rule hadn't been changed anyway but I think it does make it better um, and yeah, and you know everybody's trying to improve their car all the time, and so you've got to give everybody the opportunity to do that because you know what you don't want is you know the, the guy who's got his car sorted um, um, being able to take advantage of the fact that people other people can't dial their car in because they haven't got any tyres to test on to actually try and improve their car. So you know, we've got to make it, got to give everybody equal opportunity to try and win a race. And you know you've seen this year we've already had I think seven winners, you know we're only in the fourth round. That's, a, that's a, a pretty healthy number, you know, when, you know, what is it, you know, just under a third of the field have already won a race this season. You know, last year, 50% of the world field won a race. I mean, that's a, you know, there's not many sporting, you know, there's not many categories in the world that can say, you know, in, in a championship year, half the field won a race. You avoided my consideration of moving a qualifying session to Friday. Oh, I mean, anything's possible, you know. I think, you know, I don't. I don't think there's any need for that because I think, you know, having the, the you know, it is our test day, so to speak, the Friday, um, and then Saturday and Sunday, you know, they're race days, and our championship part of a race day is having a qualifying. So, you know, if you did move it to Friday, and I'm just talking, you know. Just off the top of my head, if you did move it to Friday, then all of a sudden, if I was a Saturday punter that was coming, I'd feel that I'd been robbed because <laughs> you know I don't get to see qualifying anymore because I was at work on Friday. Well, you saw a, I said a qualifying session, not both. Oh, yeah, but I think you know, I think that there's a lot of people that are quite positive about the two 10-minute sessions. It puts the pressure on everybody. You have got one shot at it, and you know what? If you just look back at Perth and, and events like that yesterday as well, but you know, you're seeing a big up and down um in qualifying. Not us, which is quite fortunate, but there's a lot of other people, you know. Literally you could have that short break and between the two qualifying sessions, one bloke's gone from second to twenty third, you know. That's that's healthy. Probably right. not for them,
3: but <laughs> the next thing that the drivers have been complaining about is the sixty kilometre races and
5: what can you do to fix the perception? Oh, look, there's a lot of things that we can do, but you know, at the moment the Commission haven't formed a view whether we change it or whether we don't, and what, if we do change it, what we change it to. So be for wrong of me to offer my opinion because you know, we're yet to, to, to come to a resolution about that. You're right, though, it is a perception thing. Um, I mean, I haven't seen the stats from yesterday's race, but it was actually quite staggering. When you look at the numbers of, of passes that did actually take place in Perth on Saturday... There was actually, you know, 15, 16 overtake manoeuvres happened in each of those races, you know. Is that enough? Is it not enough? I don't know. How many for the lead, I guess, is the perception? Oh, yeah, but that's just because the fastest cars were out in front and nobody could touch us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But there's a few levers you can pull, is there? There's a whole host of things that can be done. One of them is tyres, but tyres just don't magically appear. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I say, there's a lot of... some instructions have to be given...
5: Yeah, I mean, things could change. But as I say, the Commission, as yet, have not formed a view. I know there's been plenty publicised and we're changing, we're not, we are, we've joined them together. You know, every, every journalist seems to have a view on what we're doing. Well, I can tell you, we haven't got a view what we're doing, so they're all just speculating. You know, it's, it's still up in the air. Because what we don't want to do is, if it's not quite right, and I do say if it's not quite right, what do we change it to? Because the last thing you want to do is get it wrong if you do change it and then you've got it doubly wrong and then you're also being criticised for changing it during the season. So you, mm. di- you, know, you can be damned if you do, damned if you don't, which is why if we did decide to change something, we want to make sure we've bloody got it right because otherwise we'll just have more stones thrown at us.
3: But a, a month now, effectively, till Hidden Valley, which would be the next time we see a format like this, it's time to then it's time then to sit back and relax you didn't have any time in between Perth to Winton
5: to really sit down and no, that's make right. decisions you know, and one of the things that we are always mindful of in the commission these days is you know, even when we do have a commission meeting and, and have a, a, a vote taken almost, we still sleep on it, because you know, we've been caught out before you, know, you can sit there and make a decision and then you go home and you know, 2 o'clock in the morning you have a bloody, you know, the light comes on and you think, oh no, that's the wrong decision because of X, Y, whatever it is. So, you know, we we, we certainly don't like rushing in and um, making decisions anymore because we just want to make the right ones and we'll take time to make the right decisions. Right. Well, we look forward to seeing what they are and uh, look forward to seeing how ProDrive Racing Australia continues on
3: its run. Thanks, mate. Nick Ryan will look at V8 Supercars from a commercial point
1: of view next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page...
4: for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. there actually needs to be a structure... Inside
1: Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au
5: Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael
3: Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Nick Ryan, General Manager of Nissan Motorsport. This year's been quite an interesting one from a commercial side with the change of the television package. Nissan Motorsport's also gone with a, a a change in the way that you're structuring your sponsorships on the cars. Uh, Rick with the Jack Daniels car, but the rest of the team is running a, a rolling program of liveries. How, how do you manage that as compared to a, as a stock standard year sponsorship?
0: Yeah, it is unique for us. We have fixed season sponsorship for Rick with Jack Daniels and Michael, of course, with Nissan. So we, uh, we decided relatively early in the piece that we wanted to approach what I guess titled as a segmented model, where you have rotational sponsors. Now, that may be for one round, it may be for multiple rounds, such as what we're doing with Jayco, with Todd's car at this point in time. Essentially what it comes down to is maximising your budget. And if, well in this current climate, it's very difficult to go out and get the sponsors at the set value that we, we, um, we try and attain to, or what we see as the value. So whilst the market's like that, you've got one option. You can either accept season partners at a lesser value, and that's ultimately going to affect your budget for the, uh, for the course of the year. Or you take this different approach to it, much as what they do in NASCAR now, um, and they have done for many years successfully, is to take multiple sponsors on, and the advantage that you have for these partners is that they can still get the full effect of a, uh, a naming rights but for obviously a fraction of the cost of what it would be for the full season. And you know, some of the partners that we've, uh, we've featured this year you know, for their certain region or whatever it may be, a period for their business, it makes a lot of sense for them to do it. And it's been very successful. And I think the advantage for us is we're also bringing new brands into the sport, giving brands the opportunity to be seen in the full light. Um, and you've got to be thinking outside the square in this market. You've just got to be doing things differently. And of course it's a lot easier and to maintain one major sponsor, but we, we've got to be well aware about where the economy's at and just do what we can to make sure that we can effectively be competitive on track.
3: There's a lot of talk about the, the model. A football club, when they sign a sponsor, they own the home ground, they own the corporate hospitality and everything around that. A via supercar team, which is the equivalent of Carlton or Greater Western Sydney, Sydney Swans, they own the the franchise, they own that franchise, but they don't own the ground to play on and they don't have access to all those, what are considered standard corporate amenities for a a major partner.
0: Yeah, obviously uh, the things that you mention are big assets for those sports. But we also have a lot of assets that they can't attain to as well. I mean, fundamentally for this sport, the engagement exceeds anything that you can do in any of those sports. And really when it comes down to it, when you talk to these businesses these days, branding is really only a component of the overall mix. It may have had more of a weighting in the past, but really it's about engaging your, your business, engaging your business partners, customers, suppliers. And this sport absolutely, hands down, beats any of those sports uh, at, at any point in time, so we're lucky we've got that asset to, to leverage. You know, it'd be great if we owned the event. It'd be great if we could, you know, place people and hand out corporate hospitality tickets willy nilly, but we don't. So we play to our strengths, and the strengths is, is certainly that engagement side. And there's a number of other great things going for us. You know, the the product's great, um, the racing's fantastic. Uh, the branding platform you can buy you can put that against an AFL team. I mean, they're basically sitting there with a, a little logo attached on the on the chest. You're talking about an entire race car. This is a mobile billboard, let alone race transporters. Um, you know, the merchandise that we sell. You know, I think some of the VA, uh, sorry the, the AFL teams would be jealous about the volumes that we're able to achieve out of that. And you know, this is a national sport too. Most of those sports will try and lay claim to that, but we are a national sport. We race in every state in Australia, so I think there's there's certainly the positives and things that they have. But I think we can uh, we can you know play to our own, and you see that time and time again. I mean, the investments for naming rights in these games and the big sponsors is absolutely equivalent, if not more, than what these other sports are. And you have a look around at the brands. I mean, us alone, we've got over 50 sponsors in this team that we've been able to attract, retain and add significant value to their business and uh, hopefully they'll be around for a long time further.
3: One of the uh, things that must make it hard though is all the negative comments and negative press around the new television package, which is a bit of a surprise because 400,000 people watching it over a week as opposed to 400,000 people watching it on
0: Sunday, to me, is the same number. Well, it is. And I think it's a little bit unfair. You know, we'd probably like to see a bit more positivity from whether it's the category or something coming out and talking about how good the, the package is because it's brilliant. You know, I've, I've certainly seen uh, around Adelaide, I saw the Foxtel package. And the quality is far greater than what we've ever seen. I mean, for, for the viewer, you're looking in HD for one. And the amount of content that you got is extraordinary. And then, as you just mentioned, you know, the fact that all the uh, the viewership is flowing through the week. I mean, they're talking about initial numbers. And, you know, we saw some media last week that was jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, we had a challenging Tasmania. We had a challenging um, Perth. You know, Tasmania, we ran up against the Cricket World Cup we're always going to, it doesn't matter who, what sport you are, you're going to hurt against that. We ran into Perth, timing wasn't great. Also, you had the major fight with Mayweather and Pacquiao, which basically the world closed down to watch that thing. So, you know, to to pick at those two isolated events was, um, you know, I think people are still trying to look for some negativity in it. But as you mentioned, ultimately, the viewership is the amount of eyeballs watching our sport it doesn't matter what period of time it is. If we're still talking within the fixed period of the, the 12 months, and if you're looking like for like and you're lining the amount of rounds, you know, the, the package is up considerably. So um, the the exposure that we're getting out of sports, the number of different shows that we're seeing off the back of that, um, it's helping to take us to a new level. And you know, it, it will take time for people to come around. You know, AFL and NRL, when they switched to content on, uh, on pay TV, it wasn't rosy, but over time people uh, adapt to what it is and you know, if people give the package a go and, and the one thing that you do, any person that's actually watched it on Foxtel, you read their blogs, they're, they're the ones actually coming out and supporting and going, do yourself a favour and actually have a look at the content because it is absolutely brilliant and it will only get better with further innovation.
3: And of course the negative side of it is what people are seeing and obviously your partners would come back to you and say, what's this we're hearing, why is this not, a, not worth as much and you then have to go through the whole spiel.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure, people can read into that, but we're forthcoming on information and uh, the statistics that you mentioned about that overall that the package of the entire viewership over the week is like for like, it's an improvement from what it was last year. So, um, you know, all these big brands involved in the sport, they're smart. They're tracking all this information. It doesn't take us to necessarily tell them. And they can see that the value that they're getting out of this year uh, is in excess of what they were achieving previously. So, fundamentally they're happy. And... uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think they've, they've done an outstanding job the way it's launched and it is only going to improve. More people are going to understand, adapt and move over and, and pick up Foxtel. So um, for these early stages, for it to be this positive, I think is good.
3: Well, Nick, always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to seeing how the team moves on now after another break to Hidden Valley.
0: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately we've got a uh, you know three or four weeks again until we're on track, but really for us, um, Winton was a, a, a good round overall. I think to, to have two podiums on Saturday, Caruso finished fourth then was a great result, and I think the rounds coming forward should be uh, reasonably good for us, and then maybe some performance upgrades in the not-too-distant future that should push us further up the front, which uh, is exciting for us for sure. My thanks
3: to Nick Ryan. We'll continue our commercial view of the series with Chris Wilson up
1: after the break. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au Each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it. means a lot, you know.
3: Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. Six hundred miles around here is no easy
0: task.
2: Uh, we were able to beat the two livers, the boys, and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do. Um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapps' other family.
1: Inside motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottleo Racing Team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Chris Wilson, uh, two years since we last spoke. It <laughs> seems like a, a long time ago and you've had quite a journey going from Erebus to HRT and now with DJR, Team Penske.
4: Yeah, Stone, Stone Brothers Racing to Erebus to, to, to Walkinshaw to, uh, to Penske now. Yep, that's correct.
3: In that time, is there a big difference in the way the teams go about their commercial work and commercial relations?
4: Oh, look, there is, um, but I think the fundamentals are all the same because at the end of the day, you're working for the sponsor. So, you know, each sponsor is different, has their key objectives and what it is they're trying to achieve out of a partnership. So at the end of the day, we've all got different styles, processes and our offerings. However, um, you know, you're obviously trying to align those with the partners.
3: This arrangement with DJR Team Penske is a very business-to-business-focused model. Was it as heavily structured towards that in the other teams?
4: Um, look, we all, we all talked about that. You know, we definitely uh, had business introductions um, where we'd get our, get our partners together for, you know, various team-organised events as well as obviously race meetings and corporate hospitality and things like that. But absolutely, um, you know, the, 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 the difference, I guess, a version of that is what was at Walkinshaw Racing there and obviously B2B with the opportunities they have surrounding their other business interests, uh, and it's that similar but uh, I guess probably the benchmark and probably the case in point for most of us has always been the way that Penske's done things in the US uh, racing and, and business uh, hand in hand and, and, and that B2B focus with your own direct business so it is, um, you know, it, it's a, it is as you say it's our key differentiator um, once again you know, we're offering branding and experiences and endorsements um, but, but direct ROI, measurable ROI is sales to our own business
3: Last year at, uh, at Perth was the last time I think we'll find all you corporate directors got together and, and had a chat. At that time, the focus was on uh, fast-moving consumer goods, talking about the new television package. Twelve months on, are we seeing much of that working? Is the television package going to work for fast-moving consumer goods? Because ever since I've been in the sport, we've talked about fast-moving consumer goods, but we've never actually seen a big uptake of them sponsorship wise
4: yeah look I, I do think everyone's you know putting the foot forward there with that and that is still the direction and still the approach they're the brands you know we've, we've got to look at them as established brands and understand what it is they're going to try to achieve out of it is television direct the direct result for them well in program you know there's definitely information to say that in program um uh, branding and, and advertising works, uh, you know, as opposed to a specific ad in an ad break where people can move. And obviously, our consumption of that TV and, uh, and the digital sort of online space now means that you know, shifted viewing and all sorts of things like that means that your old traditional advertising has evolved. We're continuing to evolve with it. There's no magic bullet. And there's no quick fix. But we're definitely we're still working away on all those sort of things. You know. I guess obviously combining that with promotions and activations and whether it be sampling at a series level or our own events and things like that, it's still the space where, where you've got to play there. Again, your, your previous question on, the, on the, the DJR Team Penske model following the Penske Racing US model, probably a little bit of a different focus from us to, compared to what I was saying to you probably 12, 18 months ago that ours is really tight business-to-business, business. so our alignment with our businesses here in Australia or in the US is where you'll see our, our key focuses. I guess one of those things is the the
3: corporate offerings then, and I know there has been a lot of talk over the last two years about the integration of team sponsorship into the corporate availability of what V8 Supercars have at the track because, for the most part, it's a V8 Supercar-run event and they're controlling access to catering, access to all these things that a sponsor would expect if they had a football team and they were getting a catered box, which the club... Ie the team would have full control of.
4: Oh look, and it's it's a challenge for us, and that's that's there. I guess it's the way we communicate that or package that up. It is it is a, a definite um, definite challenge. I wouldn't say a disadvantage. I mean, the, the strengths of our sport are when we hit a region, i.e. a Perth, a Winton, or a Darwin, or a Tasmania, or an Adelaide. We hit it in such a strong way that it really is a big event. Uh, and I guess the messaging around events came through years back there but we probably didn't understand where it was going but really to say our calendar and when we hit a region we, we hit it big gives us a unique opportunity to say that we hit each space and I think the series has always been quite protective of the fact that we do race you know everywhere here in Australia and it, it really sort of does separate us on the flip side of that that means we don't have a home base a, a, um, a home ground if you like so you know, you've, you've got things like um, catering contracts and, and beverage partners, but it's it's a different model, I guess, at a series level on that. What that pushes for us as teams, we don't have that so much as an avenue. But, again, that expectation and that sort of understanding of that and that what that corporate offering is, um, is up for us to obviously communicate it and, i.e., do we package it as an in inclusion or is it an additional, I guess.
5: Mm.
3: How do you then explain to those sponsors, and the, obviously... It's different where you are now to where you were, but how do you explain to them the way the new TV package works over the next six years? Because I imagine some of your colleagues are getting themselves into a jam because the media is saying one thing, but the
4: actual data is telling yeah, a different story. Different story. Yeah, and, then it's, and that's something that's evolved. You know, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say we've changed our tuner it's an, it's an evolved, and it's a messaging and, and, and explaining how that all works i had a chat to um some of the guys from penske racing were here obviously for perth and i spoke to them about it and it's it's a model that's followed in the u.s you know the talk of consumption so how you consume you know your, your um your broadcast it's it's and v8 supercars themselves position it as a content deal so it more involves tv as well as a pay tv element as well as uh you know digital uh as and then as well as your traditional print media so our our tighter association with fox as a as a as a total uh, sort of means that there are more avenues so you know we are getting some of these tv shows in and there's criticisms for for this and that and the other but i guess at the end of the day it's early days and we're probably never going to be perfect to start with and it'll whether we ever get to perfect perfection at the end is not there you continually evolve so i guess it's that key point for us to be able to stand as a united front and say you know while this viewership's changed or this has changed or that's changed also communicating what opportunities that's created and and we are obviously generating a lot more interest to a broader is what the, what the goal is you know
3: well, Chris, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and we look forward to seeing how DJ Team Penske continue to roll on in 2015. Thanks very much. Cheers. Some very interesting views there. That's all we have time for this week. The round Tables return on our next show. I hope you can join us for then. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au